Hello everyone, I'm Mark, the chief writer here at Maltopia, and I just wanted to remind you the sleep-wake cycle is but one of a series of interconnected horror podcasts within the wide and weird world of Maltopia. For Easter eggs, crossover events, and additional lore, please check out our other series, The Shepherd of Wolves, Red Mother, Grimland, and The Damnation Machine. And be sure to check out our free content on our Patreon page for additional lore and stories. For even more Maltopia content, consider becoming a patron. Starting for as little as $2 a month, benefits range from additional art, update videos, early episode access, our mini-podcast series, October's Children, both written and full audio pieces, such as The Lost Library, Tales of Maltopia, and The Weird Book. You can also gain access to our found footage show, The Weird Tape Series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully-produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny System, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny System with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Locked up at night with nowhere to go was not exactly my idea of utopia, noctopia, whatever. It was one of the reasons I took the deluxe suit in the first place, to add a little flourish to the cage I knew I'd likely be trapped in during the day. The plan wasn't a glowing success, but at least there were some additional rooms I could take advantage of. The reading room was small and dramatically lit, which I appreciated. I left the door cracked slightly, just in case Romy had another episode like the night prior. My need to tick was reaching fever pitch, and my recent conversation with Romy only made things worse. Thing was, her not wanting to talk about our mother wasn't the issue. It was that she implied that I'd be on my own if I pursued the topic. I immediately revisited the day they separated us, the first day of many years of being alone. It was the casual way in which she floated the idea of leaving me behind, as if she didn't care one way or the other. I'd stood up to creatures that could burn down worlds, killed a few of them, and a couple of harsh words from my sister floored me. Oh well, so much for the tough guy routine. As a guy who'd never slept, I couldn't help but feel older than I was. People spent a third of their lives asleep. Not remembering a thing, time unspent, tossed into the void. I didn't have that problem, but the opposite. More time, more life spent, an equally moot endeavor, trying to fill the void. And for all my time, I was alone. Well, except for the occasional serial killer I'd shared some dark corner of the world with. The idea of going back to all that was... uncomfortable to say the least. Granted, I, I knew she didn't mean it in the way that I'd taken it, but I quickly realized I was more damaged than I knew, the years of solitude having taken a toll. Unlike Romy, apparently, I never stopped wondering about my mother, about what happened to us. I needed that pain to build a fire in my belly to keep from going completely numb. It made me dangerous, and I needed to be dangerous. 
I needed to be able to look monsters in the face and smile. That smile came from me projecting every horrible thing that ever happened to me, the nameless forces that had crafted my banal, cold little life, right into the body of my next target, my next victim. I hated to put it that way, but it just might have been true. I'd been hunting, beating down, and occasionally killing my pain since the day they put a gun in my hand. The difference between me and the exopaths was shrinking all the time. I couldn't help but recall the night I faced off with Dan Goines, the salamander. Fire all around us. It was even dripping from the ceiling like burning rain. And there we were, jawing at one another. Fire is fury, Isaiah. Yet I don't need to burn you, do I? You're already on fire. Under that pale skin of yours, those bones are burned black. You sure as hell want to burn me, though, don't you, Hunter? Commit me to that blaze you occasionally feed when the world's not looking. Fire begets fire. It's always someone else, our own personal Prometheus, who hands us our first flame. Who burned you, Isaiah? Must have been a while ago, huh? Maybe when you were just a pup. Because that's an old fire you have there. Well-fed and full-grown. An inferno to be proud of. Whatever analogy you wanted to use, fire or ice, it didn't make much of a difference. Too much of either was always a buzzkill. Analogies aside, Dan was right. I was just the product of pain. Loss. That is, until Romy walked into that diner. Now I was counting the bodies adding up the sins. It also begged the question, if my pain was what fueled me, what was I now, finally reunited with someone I cared for, who reminded me of the life before the pale revolvers? One thing was sure, I'd uncovered a weakness in my armor, a way to take me out in one fell swoop. My sister... I dove into our case notes to get my mind off the past, to sort out a different bunch of terrors. So far we'd made some sense, or at least successfully connected, the stuff about the creatures. Kings, I guess. Crowned with hydras. Our guess, and it was a damn good one, was that the eel kid was likely one of these things. And given the pile of connections between Nighthead and Marrows, the city of Pitch was likely carrying his water, and we were pretty damn sure the connection between the two ran a hell of a lot deeper than just the Kilroys and Calistagos. Deeper as in under Nighthead, all the way down to the mythical city of Undur. The loose ends were the inhuman clients of the Calistagos Kyle mentioned during his swan song. The image of the book Romy snagged out of Scrim's head. Then there were the huge footfalls in the vast bottomless dark that have been all the rage lately. Next was what the people of Marrows had gotten up to during the Great Darkness, because it sure as hell had nothing to do with fishbone jewelry and wandering around the woods. And last but not least was just who or what was our mysterious and saccharine helper. There was one other thing that bothered me, something I hadn't mentioned to Romy. If the eel kid was in Marrows, and Nighthead was running cover for him, if not a whole lot more, why not move him into the city? 
or under it, as the case may be. Why was the kid staying in a place that was getting more and more heat, putting him on the radar? Had to be a reason, and I was betting Mr. Golturo could tell me all about it. I decided I needed some air. After leaving Romy a note, me and my briefcase were out the door. The hotel was big, so at least I had room to stretch my legs. Although if I was in a prison cell before, I'd barely managed to graduate to the prison. Only the minimal lighting was on, the corridors striped with alternating shadows and dim red light. There wasn't a soul to be seen as I rounded hall after hall, just more doors and more hallways all the windows sealing the day off with layers of cold steel. Making my way around the next corner, I was greeted by a wall of absolute darkness, just like the stuff back at the abandoned building, and no doubt what Dr. Bowley and company ran into during their stay at Castle Kilroy. Quickly swinging around, I realized the other side of the hallway was choked with the same darkness. I was trapped. Word of advice, fella. You want to hide from the dark? Don't do it in the black orchard. Thanks. I'll have to remember that for next time. Damn it. That's the second time inside a couple of weeks I went and got myself made. Glad to be of help. But I don't know if I'd be scheduling too far ahead if I were you. You see... Skulking around, trying to poach our plans, ain't real good for your health. Or the health of that chicky up in room 342, for that matter. Here it was. My new reality. One wherein I could be truly hurt. Golturo hadn't stepped from the darkness, but he was close. I had no idea what he'd figured about me, but I was betting he had no idea what I was capable of. I just needed a target. In the meantime, I had to keep him talking, give myself some time to figure out a plan. Ah, I see the wheels turning, and your hands aren't even shaking yet. A company man, if ever I saw one. Maybe I could let Sleeping Beauty lie, if, and that's a small if, what you got to tell me is worth my time. They hadn't nabbed Romy yet. They were just watching her. Their first mistake. What do you want to know? Everything. Now start singing, songbird. Well, let's see. Uh, after we slipped that schmuck, Lansmore, real pro that one. What can I say? Good help is hard to find. Now, another crack like that, and I might stop being such a nice guy. The walls of darkness pushed in a little closer, and I could see hungry white shapes prowling their depths. Or what? You gonna feed me to the fishes too? I just needed him to step out, just for a second. Nah, not you. Maybe the little lady, though. You, I'll take with me, down where light wouldn't dare follow. Hand you over to the ones that live there. The ones with more teeth than the sky's got stars. Eyes full of eons. They'll take their time with you. Centuries if you're lucky. Or 
you can finish your story, all polite-like. After Golturo finished his charming soliloquy, I spotted a temporary solution to both my and Rosemary's predicament. I had no idea if I was awake or asleep. The world was completely dead black. All that accompanied me in the void was the blaring fire alarm. I caught a glimpse of something white gliding in the darkness. The eel things were in the room. Or in my dream. Isaiah, are you here? No one is here but us. We're all around you. We're everywhere. In the dark. The voices were indeed coming from everywhere, trying to frighten me. But I was a new Victorian. It'd take a lot more than voices in the dark to rattle me. The darkness was as much a substance as a lack of light, pushing back at my efforts to move through it. The white glint of gliding horrors passing closer to me. I blazed my blue vision into the room, hoping to loosen up the grip of the alien gloom create some space to maneuver. I took out my lighter again and tried to repeat history. The darkness seemed to laugh at my efforts. Without the addition of my brother's icy glare, the light didn't stand a chance. Though the sun was no friend of my abilities, I could have certainly used its help. I could feel it beating helplessly against the metal shielding over the windows. Your friend is with us now. There's no hope of escape. Only a gentle death. There was something else in the room now. Like pale, eyeless children floating within the pitch enveloping me. I reached down next to the bed to determine which side of it I was on, orienting myself. Once I felt the ashtray where it sat upon the nightstand, I found my balik and slid it from its sheath. The ever-elongating blade coiled and twisted through the black, the slightest blue glow riding down its rippling length. I brought the killing edge through the steel shutters like they were tissue paper, and sunlight sliced into the room. The darkness and all it concealed shrieked as it withdrew into the shadows of the room. The pristine blade of my weapon curled around me in the sunlight, a length of silver death sharpened upon screams beyond sleep. Isaiah's note put him in the hotel somewhere, and judging by the absence of smoke, I imagined he was the one who arranged for my wake-up call. After sheathing my Balik, I took a chance, hoping the shadow things weren't vulgar enough to put on a show while hundreds of people were making for the exits. Sure enough, when I opened the door there were just people filing through the halls. No otherworldly gloom. Isaiah emerged from the crowds walking calmly towards me, briefcase in hand. We gotta scram fast, but first we need to grab the discovery stuff. We can't have them finding it. How'd they know we were here? I guess the orchard wasn't as good a place to hide out as I thought. It was Golturo. He cornered me in the hallway. He's still in here somewhere. And if we're not out of here before the place empties out, 
He'll fill it up top to bottom with more darkness and monstrosities than you can shake a stick at. We grabbed our stuff and blended into the crowd as it passed by our room. Once we were out the front door, surrounded by crowds of black-clad night lovers wincing up at the sun, we spotted the line of black cars winding up the drive, packed to the gills with thugs. We were caught between a rock and a hard place. All we could do was race towards the alleys and hope. Without cover of darkness, our chances of losing our pursuers were small. The cars screeched around the corner right behind us, skidding sideways into the alley, goons hanging out the windows trying to get a bead in us. Isaiah's open, empty briefcase skittered ahead of me down the alley. The pale revolvers were stark white, a faint mist clinging to their pallid steel. Isaiah opened fire. The report was like thunder from a dead world, a cold bluster that chilled the blood. He placed his shots with surgical precision. Engine blocks, foreheads, and tires. The rounds were unstoppable, ripping through steel as easily as flesh, exiting both explosively. Unfazed as they continued through the convoy, through buildings, through the earth. The throng of cars flew out of control, screeching and smashing into walls and dumpsters. Fire leapt from some of the overturned vehicles as the thugs, who'd managed to survive, squeezed out windows and between crushed-in doors. Blood and contusions masking their terrified expressions. One explosion followed another as Isaiah sent rounds sparking across ruptured gas tanks. As they ran and flailed, Isaiah shot dead, every man and woman still upright. He hadn't so much as flinched, killing the way a machine would kill. Automatic, unthinking, cold. When he turned around, I saw his eyes, just pale windows into death. This was my brother. This was what had become of him. This was what was left of him. He bent down and placed his guns back into the briefcase, his badly frostbitten hands steady as rocks. I could feel the cold coming off him over the fires burning through the alley. He didn't look at me as he passed, just grimaced slightly as he flexed his injured fingers. Moving in silence through dozens of out-of-the-way places, we put as many zigs and zags as we could between us and anyone inclined to follow. We ended up in the countryside, just outside the city, inside a barn that looked like a good wind could push it over. Isaiah hadn't said anything since the massacre in the alleyway, beyond pointing out the route as we went along. I didn't know what to say to him, or if I should say anything at all. I mean... What would I have done if they'd gotten to us, surrounded us with guns out? Wouldn't my hand have found its way to my Balik? Wouldn't I have been forced to take lives? But the way he mowed down the survivors... He didn't need to do that. Or did he? Surely they would have been back after us when the time came, with more guns and new axes to grind. Oh, God, these weren't the kinds of problems I was used to solving. 
the decisions I was comfortable making. Maybe Isaiah was right. At least one of us had to play for keeps. I recalled my earlier conversation with him, how we were both born of monsters, bastards to the same wicked mystery, made for slaughter. I looked at my left hand, the one that wielded a sword from Nightmare, and wondered how long till it was as blood-stained as my brother's. The Sleep-Wake Cycle is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear and Mark Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone, and the Sleep-Wake Cycle theme song was written and performed by Sean Zeller. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about the world of the sleep-wake cycle and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Meltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythology, stories, and more. For more information about the sleep-wake cycle and the larger world of Meltopia, head over to Meltopia.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Today we'd like to introduce you to a great fantasy audio drama called Circe. The show is similar to Lord of the Rings, except that it focuses on an awesome gay sorceress on the planet of Elbion. Thyra is recording stories of her past to help regain her magical abilities. We learn of her life and how she came to be a member of the Circe. If you're a fan of gay stories and characters, Lord of the Rings and Xena the Warrior Princess, you'll love this show. Check out Circe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.